2 Kings chapter 23, 28 through 30 is where we're going to be. A much smaller chunk of scripture to bite off than we did last week. And so thanks for hanging in there last week. But we have Bibles kind of scattered around the room. We have Bibles on on your way in. If you need a Bible, you don't have one at home, uh, take that. We really want you to have that as a gift for you. So 2 Kings 23, 28 through 30. So for the past month, we've been studying the, the reign of King Josiah. And it has been so good for us as a church. But today, it comes to an end because he dies. And so it'll come to an end. But guess what? We all die, right? Every single one of us are going to die, and we're going to do everything in our power to fight against the reality that death is coming. We're going to dye our hair. We're going to, you know, go to the gym. We're going to, you know, wrinkle cream and all of that kind of stuff. Nobody likes the reality that death is coming. We try to mask it. We do a really good job in our world today. You know, people don't have to die in the home. They get to die in hospice uh, with all kinds of medication so that they don't feel all of the pain. If we don't like the fact that, that Christians are dying at the hands of ISIS, we can turn on Netflix instead of the news. And these are, some of these are, are good, good advancements that we have, but it does kind of tend to, to mask our mortality. And you know what? It's good for us every now and again to, to peel back the mask and to look a bit at our mortality, to study uh, our frailty. And so today we're going to do that in this text as we see Josiah die. And so let's read this together. 2 Kings 23 and 28 through 30. It says, Now the rest of the acts of Josiah, all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? In his days, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went up to the king of Assyria to the river Euphrates. King Josiah went to meet him, and Pharaoh Necho killed him at Megiddo as soon as he saw him. And his servants carried him dead in the chariot from Megiddo and brought him to Jerusalem and buried him in his own tomb. And the people of the land took Jehoahaz, the son of Josiah, and anointed him and made him king in his father's place. And so... There you have it. Josiah dies, and so we have to wrap this thing up today. And as I mentioned at the onset of this journey through the life and the reign of King Josiah, is that one of my greatest concerns for us as a church, and you know, really as Christians in in, in North America, certainly, is biblical literacy. A recent Barna poll said that uh, it it did a study of the the most Bible-minded cities in America and the least Bible-minded cities in America. And we were tied at third place for the least Bible-minded cities in America with Burlington, Vermont, Hartford, Connecticut, and Portland, Maine. The the top eight least Bible-minded cities in America were all either New York or New England cities. And so it's a real problem. It's It's a real issue, especially for us. And as we've traced the, the life and the reign of King Josiah, we've touched on why do we know that we can, can trust this book historically uh, in terms of consistency, indestructibility, on and on and on. We, we talked about how do we approach this book individually, uh, corporately or communally, prayerfully, humbly, gratefully. And then last week we looked at how, okay, even if we obey every single command of the scripture, like a Pharisee, we can be off because there's behavior change, but we're lacking heart change. 
behavior change and heart change are very, very different things. And so this week, we, we, we're going to wrap it all up. And, and, and we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to wrap it up in the connection groups. I'd encourage you to be a part of a connection group and work this stuff out. But my prayer is that as a church, we're growing increasingly trusting of the, the Scriptures. We're increasingly committed to the Scriptures. We're seeing the Scriptures move us to the core like the Scriptures did Josiah. And we're going to obey the Lord and His words out of a heart for, for Christ. And that's, that's my prayer. And that's the leadership of the church's prayer. We're praying to that end. And so let's recap Josiah's life together if we can uh, before we get into his funeral. Josiah was a, a boy born into the family line uh, of Judah. He was a descendant of King David, which means he himself also would be a, a king, that he would be among the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the prophesied King of Kings and, and, and Lord of Lords. Of the 39 kings of Israel, only eight of them were, were good, and he was one of those who was good, who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The other ones were, were King David, of course, Solomon, Asa, Jehoshaphat, Joaz, Amaziah, Uzziah, Jotham, Hezekiah, and then finally Josiah. He's the last good kings among the era of the kings. His father and his grandfather before him, if you remember, were very, very wicked. They did uh, what was evil in the sight of the Lord. These kings are intended to lead God's people towards honoring the Lord and are to be reflective of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Jesus. Instead, these wicked kings immediately before Josiah lead God's people uh, astray. They're not displaying to the nation the reality of the Lord fact, they're doing the opposite. They're making the nation and the world around them who's watching on say, really? I don't know if this is real. I mean, I see nothing good or life-changing in your life. I think that's a question we have to ask ourselves. These wicked kings that came before Josiah were participating in child sacrifice. They allowed the temple to be full of pornography and prostitution, the holy temple of God. Their, their Torah was not even read, their Bible not even read to the point that it just got lost in the rubble of the uh, corroding or eroding temple. And uh, it was just a complete disaster. Now, enter in King Josiah, his father Ammon or Amos, depending on how you look at it, was so wicked that his servants rose up to, to kill him, leaving Josiah with the throne at age eight. Again, picture my eight-year-old boy with a scepter and his Angry Birds t-shirt on. And just, can you even imagine that? This guy's running the, the nation at age eight. At age 16, it starts to look pretty good, though, because God moves upon the heart of Josiah, and he departs from the trajectory of his life according to his father and his grandfather and the other wicked kings, and he turns in his heart to the Lord. At age 20, which is the age of adulthood in Jerusalem, Josiah says, I'm an adult now, I'm going to get to business, and he starts to tear down all the altars to false gods around the the land. At age 26, he starts to renovate the temple in, in Jerusalem, and then this is where everything starts to change. While renovating the, the temple in Jerusalem, this huge discovery is made. He finds the book, their Bible at the time, under the rubble somewhere. In the midst of the renovation, they found the last remaining copy of the Word of God. And do you remember what Josiah does? He rips his clothes and he just begins to weep because he realizes how far 
he and his people have been from obeying the words of God. Instead, they've been not obeying God. They've been turning to other gods and doing what uh, we would think these other gods would want them to do to bow to them. Participating in unfathomable acts of, of wickedness. So it says at age 26 years old, he, he starts this campaign for reform. He gets on the political tour bus and starts to wander through the land. I saw the Hillary bus already out in uh, the South End recently. He's on his tour bus wandering through the land, and he's eradicating the land of the false worship of, of false gods. He, he's cleaning up the temple of all these little idols, whether they're life-size or, or figurine. He, he's ripping down the porn in the temple, removing prostitutes from the temple. It was just complete craziness and he gets rid of it all travels outside of Jerusalem throughout the land ripping down altars and he doesn't just tear down the altars but he pours ashes and burns bones upon the altar thus defiling them or desecrating them so that nobody would worship there again and he does all of this in how long in one year at the age of 26 now picture one year of that kind of change in the land, a complete departure from the way of life of generations before. People don't like quick change. That was fast change. People lost their livelihoods if they were to, to, to make idols and, and sell them. They, they were the, the people in the, in the temple who were making flags to Asherah. They lost their, their livelihood. People had loved ones run out of the temple. They were ticked and angry, you would think. But did the people revolt? The people don't revolt. The people, are, they're, they're on board. It's this amazing change at a national scale, and the people are on board. They want to honor God now. Yet we saw last week that something is missing. As we read through the text, we hear about not only Josiah's obedience, but we hear about his heart. The people, we hear about their obedience, but we hear nothing about their heart. It was simply rote obedience, cleaning up their act. It wasn't a heart made new like we see in Josiah. See, God changed Josiah from the inside out and he started to live in obedience out of that. Just like we are to obey the Lord out of a desire to honor him. Our heart, we just want to follow him. He's given us a new heart. He's taken our heart of stone. He's given us a heart of flesh. But they just obeyed out of obligation. That's what we call legalism. That's what we call religion. Instead, we need God's word to shake us to the core, to soften our hearts, to break us, to humble us so that we then obey out of a new heart, a new relationship with God. That's what we're looking for when we talk about being a people of the book. It's not just a by the book, by the letter legalist, but a person who lives by the book because we deeply love our Lord and we want to honor our Lord. He's given us a new heart and that was Josiah, a man moved by the Lord at the core. But now, his days come to an end. It's over. But does his legacy come to an end? No, he's got a massive legacy. And so for the rest of our time together, I just want to look at his legacy. Ask yourself, do you want to leave behind a strong legacy? I would imagine we all want to leave behind a legacy. Let me just ask you, if you, were, if you were gone today, if it just lights one out today, would there be a legacy? What would people say of you? We're sitting here today, some 2,500 plus years later, reflecting on a dead guy. That's legacy, right? Here's what we can take away from Josiah. 
as we just recapped his life. And that is that if you live by the book, you're going to leave a legacy. Deeply believe that. If you live by the book and it changes you at your core, you're going to leave a legacy. Some of you are asking, okay, how do I leave a legacy? How do I do it? I mean, the world has all these ideas. Listen, it's certainly not legacy place down in Dedham, by the way. I don't know what that is. That kind of legacy, go and get all looking fresh, get some new clothes, spend your money. All that stuff, the Bible says, is just going to burn. It's just going to rot. The legacy we're talking about here is the scriptures. You live by the book, you're going to leave a legacy. Everything changed for him when he found the scripture. If you remember back in verse 25, here's what it says. It says, before him... There was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. So essentially, the recap of the life of Josiah is that there was no king, nor would there ever be a king in Israel like this guy, Josiah, because of how he turned wholeheartedly to the Lord according to what he heard in the Scriptures. And so his legacy was a legacy of turning to the Lord and following the Lord with his whole heart according to what he heard in the scripture. His legacy was directly connected to the book. His legacy was directly connected to what he read in the scriptures. And if you live by the book, you're going to have a legacy. Now, as we look at Josiah's last day here and, and what happens afterwards, I think we can grab some legacy lessons is what I want to call them. And so if you're a note taker, I really think you should be as we take serious the word of God. Uh, Write some of these things down. Here's the first legacy lesson I think we snagged from uh, Josiah here. And that is this, that, that legacy is leveraging your influence. Legacy is leveraging your, your influence. And so uh, let's, let's read verse 28 one more time if we can. It says, Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And so you know you have some kind of influence when there's someone who's chronicling your life. I mean, wow, you, you're a pretty important person. You've got some influence. Somebody's chronicling your life. We're not talking about First and Second Chronicles. We're talking about some kind of other uh, source out there that chronicled the life of Josiah. So that, that, that tells us that we have uh, three chronicles of the life of Josiah. This other source, Second Chronicles and, and, and Second King, recording all that he has done. And so people are watching, aren't they? And, and people are writing about this guy's life. Now, we're probably, I don't know, maybe, probably not going to have our lives chronicled. The, the closest thing that I ever got to having my life chronicled was uh, for, for nine months back in 2010, the Boston Globe did this ongoing article on my family on navigating the Boston public school lottery system back in 2010. And, and for those of you who are not parents yet, uh, should you become a parent and you hang out around Boston, you go to a park and within about 10 minutes at that playground, Boston Public School Lottery System is going to come up in conversation. That's just how it works here. And so uh, it's just something that's huge and heavy on, on, on parents. Where are my kids going to go to school? Are they going to get sent here or there? Are they going to be close by? It, it's a big deal. And, and so the Boston Globe did this ongoing article following one family per neighborhood. 
through the, the city of Boston. We were the, the West Roxbury family. I think they found us on Facebook or, or, or something. My wife was participating in a mom's group, and they just grabbed her. And uh, they did several articles in the paper. They did a podcast. Uh, Boston.com did a, a series of, of videos. And, and, and this was around the time when we moved to, to Boston to start the church. We had just landed here. We were ready to start the church. And, and so we were doing anything and everything that we could to get the word out about the, the church. And so they'd bring us into the studio, and they would do a video of us. And, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, questions like, okay, Josh, uh, tell us about the schools you visited. Uh, we visited the Linden School, and you know what? They really need a church next door that would proclaim Jesus faithfully. Now, Josh, tell us about, uh, you know, what, what are some of your greatest fears in this process? Not having Jesus in the city? I mean, every question ended with Jesus, right? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to be on air. There's a camera in my face, and I'm, I'm going to proclaim Jesus. I, I've got some influence right here, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And then the videos came out, and nothing made the cut except for, except for this video. This is a funny video. But we're sitting in a, a chair, my wife and I, and we're staring at the camera. We've got the microphone with the, you know, the boom stand over our heads, and it, the, it's a picture of just our faces. And the kids, the boys are running circles around us, and we're trying to answer questions, just so distracted. And so that was, uh, that was my great uh, opportunity to be chronicled, completely embarrassing. And, uh, you know, one thing that did, it was pretty cool, is, is they were there with the camera at our front stoop when the letter came in the mail with what school we got into. And uh, my wife opens up the letter, and she's immediately excited because we got this great school. They said, listen, nobody else in the city that we reported on, got a school that they wanted to be in. Well, wow, that's, that's really great. And she said, we have a lot of people praying. And so that did make the podcast. And so we were pretty excited about that. But you know what? I don't think many people watched it. I don't, I don't think many people watched it. But you know what? You know who is watching my life? Every single day are my children. Every single day my children are watching my life. The church family is watching my life. My neighbors are watching my life. My non-Christian family members are watching my life. We, we see each other when we're at our best, don't we? My, my children see me when I'm anxious, when I'm frustrated, when I'm stressed out, when they just spilt uh, their, their drink at dinner. They see me when my Bible's open or my Bible's not open. We have all these little eyes in my home watching us. And, you know, in our church family, we're kind of reproducing like rabbits right now. And so uh, we're going to have lots of children watching us. And it's an amazing, amazing gift of God, but it's also an amazing opportunity to leverage the influence that God has given us. Let me ask every single one of you, kids, no kids, college student, single person trying to make ends meet in the city. Let me ask you a question. Who do you have influence over? Every single one of us have influence over somebody. And it might not be like Josiah, this massive kingdom, but you do have influence over somebody. And you have to be faithful and you have to make every single second count as you seek to live out the the book. And, And a legacy is leveraging the influence that you have over whoever you have influence over. Leverage that. Well, let's, let's read on. Look at verse 29 again. It says, In his days, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went up to the king of Assyria, to the river Euphrates. King Josiah went to meet him, and Pharaoh Necho killed him 
at Megiddo as soon as he saw him. So, 2 Chronicles 35, the other account of the life of Josiah in the scriptures, gives us some more details as to what happened. But Necho is the pharaoh or the king of of Egypt. And he was moving towards the north uh, to join Assyria in fighting against Babylon, which is the growing world power that would eventually come in and take out Judah. And, And Josiah is apparently seeking to find favor with Babylon by opposing Nico, and, and so God spoke through Nico. Did you know that God can speak through people who are not Christians sometimes? God spoke through Pharaoh Nico to Josiah and, and said, Listen, Josiah, Nico's in a hurry. He's got something to do. If you oppose him, you're opposing God because God is doing something, and this clash needs to happen so that Babylon can come. And yet Josiah was coming up and trying to thwart the, the clash that was to happen. And he ignores the word of God when Pharaoh. Nico says, as God is speaking through him, no, you need, to, you need to go. Verse 29 says, he went out to meet him, and Pharaoh Nico killed him as soon as he saw him. Chronicles talk, talks about Josiah being shot by archers, by arrows, impaling him. So, of all the great deeds of the life of Josiah that we've been studying and, and, and marveling at, the last one that's recorded is sin. Now, how does that make you feel? A little bit of grief, but honestly, a little bit of relief. Anybody? You see somebody go, they're not perfect. That's good, because I thought I'm the only sinful person in the room. It makes me feel a little bit of relief. I mean, this boy has been living for God since he was a, a young man. We see all these amazing things that he does. And does he ever mess up for crying out loud? Well, the last deed recorded of him, he does, right? He does. Now, the question is, does that destroy his legacy? It doesn't destroy his legacy. Our our next legacy lesson is this, that legacy is not nullified by your mistakes. Man, I hope that speaks to you this morning. I hope that encourages your heart. Some of you need to hear this because you've made some major mistakes in your life. Maybe right now you're sitting in the way to that. You're fully aware right now that I have jacked some things up really bad. But legacy does not nullify or is not nullified by your mistakes. Maybe some of you, uh, you've sinned against God and you know it well. Some of you sinned against your spouse you know it well. Some of you, you, you sinned against a, a friend or, or your children, or your neighbor, or somebody else in the church family. Some of you have a secret sin. Some of you have a very public sin that you're uh, ashamed of. Listen, God is a grace giver. That's what we get out of this, that God is a grace giver, that he is not through with you because of your mistake. You look at almost every person in the Bible that God uses in a huge way, and they have some dark moment, don't they? Here's Josiah's dark moment. Think about Noah got drunk and naked. That didn't make it in my children's Bible. Think about, think about Moses. He, he kills a man. Think about King David. He, he sleeps with another man's wife and then has the man killed. Think about Peter. Denies Jesus. Think about Paul. He's out working for ISIS before he comes to faith. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, she told Jesus as an adult man, buddy, it's time to come inside. You're acting a little crazy. I mean, Mary, 
You saw the heavenly host. You got pregnant when you were a virgin. Are you kidding me right now? But every person in the scripture that you read about their lives and God did something amazing with them, it seems like they have some dark hour. Aren't you glad that the Bible is not full of just people who are perfect? It drives me nuts when you hear churches just constantly puffing up the success stories all the time. And some of us just need to see the reality that we're messed up. And God's grace is freely given to us. Your mistakes do not nullify your legacy. Now here's what you do. You've got to confess your sin. That is, acknowledge your sin. To say to God, yes, I agree with you that this is sinful. But then move forward in the grace that he grants you. Christianity is not about perfect people. I've said this many times, I'll say it again. We do not want to be the church that people come in and say, how's it going, brother? Good, brother, bless your heart. Brother, all is well, brother. Can you just be honest? Life stinks right now. Now I have so failed this time. And then you get to speak to them grace and God's love and compassion. That's, That's what we see here, is that your mistakes, I don't mean that God's through with you, God might take that to show other people, look, I can use anybody. And I'm going to do a great thing. And he certainly does that. Good news too is that when we're sinful, Jesus was what? Sinless. We're unrighteous. Jesus clothes us in his righteousness. We underperform. Jesus completely and amazingly overperforms. We've got to grow in just a robust understanding of the grace of God. We are a grace people here because we are all failures in some capacity. But Jesus is not through with you. Get up and keep moving. God's still going to use you. Josiah, however, couldn't get up, could he? He was done. But his legacy lives on. Listen to the the account, 2 Chronicles 35. Um, I'm just going to flip on over there and read it for you. 2 Chronicles 35, 23 through 27. Here's what it says. It says, Then the archers shot King Josiah. We get a little more detail. And the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am badly wounded. And so his servants took him out of the chariot and carried him in a second chariot and brought him to Jerusalem. And he died and was buried in the tombs of his father. All Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Jeremiah also uttered a lament for Josiah. And all the singing men and singing women have spoken of Josiah in their laments to this day. They made a rule in Israel. Behold, they are written in the laments. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and his good deeds according to what is written in the law of the Lord and his acts first and last. Behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. So he gets shot because of his disobedience. And then what? Everybody says, totally let us down, Josiah. Are you serious? What a loser. Let's forget about him. Is that what they say? No. Verse 25 says, to this day, when this was written, Second Chronicles, to this day, they're still singing about him, talking about the impact of this man. And to this day, today, we're still talking about him. Listen, after your mistake, Whatever it is, many of you know it very well. Many of you, it's right on the front of your mind right now. You deal with it. You confess it. You move forward in God's 
grace. Your mistakes do not nullify your legacy. Here's, here's the next legacy lesson. Legacy is serving your role in your generation. Legacy is serving your role, not my role, not the person beside you's role, your role in your generation. So, so back to 2 Kings chapter 23, in verse 30, it says, His servants carried him dead in a chariot to Jerusalem, buried him in his own tomb. So it's important to see that he dies, he gets laid in a tomb, and, and so will you. We do a ton of premarital counseling around this place, and we get to do weddings, and it's exciting. And we've got women right now dreaming up their wedding. They got Pinterest just fired up going on. I mean, they got it all ready to roll. Well, you got to meet a man first, but they, they know it. We got all of that happening. But let me ask you, do you ever dream about your funeral? I, I ask teenagers this a lot of times when I'll travel and speak. I, I play the game with them. Would you rather, you know? I say, would you rather have no one show up to your wedding or no one show up to your funeral? And they're like, funeral, who cares, right? And I say, well, that means that nobody probably was at your wedding either, right? Do you plan for your funeral? I'm not saying, do you have a Pinterest board for my funeral? Like black, black, <laughs> some black fabric. No, that's not, what, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about are you forecasting in your mind, looking ahead and saying, okay, what are people going to say about me? He lived his life for a legacy place. Oh, man, she dressed really well. <laughs> and that girl was shopping at legacy. Or there was a legacy there. It's just amazing, the heart, the love, the compassion, the concern for people, the obedience to God's word. This person lived his life in the, the scriptures. He loved well. Plan for your funeral. And the passage we read in Second Chronicles makes it clear that this guy really made an impact, didn't he? I mean, it said all of Judah was mourning for Josiah. You know what we don't read in the account of his father and his grandfather's death mourning nobody cared nobody gave a rip like good they're gone right he's gone everybody's mourning says josiah or jeremiah the great prophet is lamenting for josiah says people are singing about him to this day it was a funeral that reflected on a life that was well lived 2 Kings 22.2 says this. It says, at the beginning of what we looked at at the life of Josiah, it says, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the way of David, his father. So it says, I forget about his father and his grandfather. They were wicked. He walked in the way of David, his father. Listen to what Acts chapter 13.36 says about David, his father. It says, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation fell asleep, and was laid with his fathers. What a great verse, isn't that? What an amazing summary of somebody's life. I want that said about my life. He served the purpose of God in his own generation, and then he went to sleep. Then the tomb was shut. I want to ask you, what is, 
What is God's purpose for you in this generation? In your own generation? I love reading biographies. I just love it. And I get all wrapped up in it, and I want that to be my story, you know? It says, no, let's serve the purpose of God in your own generation. And so we all have to ask ourselves, what is God's purpose for me? Now, on a broad level, we all have the same purpose, to glorify God, to love him with everything that we have, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, leading us to then go and make disciples of all nations, right? That's, that's the big picture level. But then how is that going to be worked out in your life? What is God's purpose for you? How, how's it going to work out? Because, see, so many of us can say, okay, well, with my job, okay, my job description says this, 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 and this. What about your, your job description handed to you from God in the Scriptures? What's the plan? How are you going to live this out? We've got to serve our purpose in this generation. We've got to serve our role. I just want that to be said about me. I hope you want that to be said about you. So identify what you want for your life according to what God has called you to in the Word and what He's gifted you in personally and, and, and go after it. Legacy is serving your role in your generation, your time. Now, here's the last legacy lesson I want to give us as we kind of round third base here. And that's this. Legacy is when your life points to Jesus. I mean, that's a legacy. Your life points to, to Jesus. Let me, let me read to you, and this, this is going to be a little longer, but let me read to you Matthew chapter uh, 1, just a blurb out of Matthew chapter 1. I'll start with, um, let's start with verse 7. It says, And David was the father of Solomon and the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of uh, Shealtiel, Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiad, Abiad the father of Elikim, Elikim the father of Azer, Azer the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliad, and Eliad the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mathan, Mathan the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born who's called the Christ. Whose name did you hear in there? Jesus, right? Josiah is just this faint little whisper in this long lineage of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. His life pointed to Jesus. Our legacy is not people saying, you are so awesome. If that's what your legacy is, and they're singing your praises, you got it wrong. So as you think about your funeral, think about people making much of Jesus because of the life that you live. I just pray that my life is a whisper compared to the name of Jesus. Right? I pray that my life is just an arrow flashing. Jesus is that way. 
Jesus is that way. That's what I get to do every single Sunday. That's what I have to do with my neighbors as I talk to them about the reason for the hope that I have. That is what we are made for, is to point people to Jesus. If your legacy is you were awesome, then you got it wrong. We want to fade and let it be about Jesus. Get a lot of praises, don't we? A lot of people patting you on the back, and it feels good, doesn't it? Don't lie. But what we need to learn to do is to deflect. It's Jesus. The reason for the hope that I have is Jesus. My life is about Jesus. And so the question I have for you is, is that true? In terms of design, yeah. In terms of being redeemed and and, and bought by the blood of Jesus, yeah. Functionally, that's the question. Or do you have things kind of skewed a little bit here? Because as you dig your nose into this book and it becomes living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword in your heart, and you read it and you just devour it, what you see is that it's all about Jesus. So many people have made this into a self-help book. Let me snag a couple of cute verses that'll make me feel better about myself, give me what I need for today. And there is elements of that. But this is the story of Jesus, who from the very beginning was there and created us in his image and likeness. And then we went south fast. And then we get that great picture, the Proto-Evangelion, the image of Jesus Christ, that he is going to crush Satan, the enemy. And so God, throughout the scriptures we see, says to Abram, I'm going to bless all the people of the earth through you. You're going to be a great nation. And so he raises up this nation of Israel from which Jesus comes and starts this amazing movement and dies, taking on the wages of our sin, restoring what was broken back at creation so that if we would trust in him and what he's done for us, we can be made right with God. That's what we call the gospel. But he's not in the grave any longer, is he? Because he's God and death has no hold on him. And so God, the Holy Spirit, says, I'm putting my stamp of approval on that sacrifice that was made. That was enough. So he raises him to life. That's the stamp of approval. And he reigns as king today. And so Josiah the king was just a small picture of Jesus the king. Is Jesus the king of your life? Is your life all about Jesus? Is the legacy that you long to leave for your children Jesus? Is the legacy that you long to leave for the people that you have on your hall for this one short year or semester or four years Jesus? Or is it how funny I am? How cute I am? How smart I am? How good of an athlete I am? Is your legacy at your work? Do you want to leave a legacy of I, man, I just bring it in the dough, climb in the corporate ladder? Or do you want to leave a legacy of God has put me in this place for this season, in this generation, my own generation, to make an impact so that more people will glorify Jesus for all of eternity? That's legacy. That's legacy. Dream with me about your funeral. 
People are going to care. People are going to say, that person touched my life. And now I know Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that you give us examples like Josiah, who had a purpose in his generation. That was to be a king who reflects the goodness and the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you show us that he messed up, that you weren't through with his legacy. And we get to sit here today and learn about what it means to be a person, a man or a woman of God who loves your word, who eats it like bread because we hunger and we thirst for righteousness. Thank you for that example. And so God, I pray for my friends in this room who do not know Jesus. They've never given their hearts completely to Jesus Christ. I pray that as they reflect on the gospel that was just shared, that you would stir them in such a way that they cannot deny you're urging them to trust him. May they see their sin. May they acknowledge it, confess it, repent of it, turn to Jesus and be made new. Though they're gonna sin like we all do, like Josiah did to the end, your grace is upon them. May they know that. May they give their lives to Jesus right now and become a Christian. And for the rest of us in this room, been Christians for some time, stir us up, Lord. Give us the want for a good legacy. Give us the desire for the things that you desire. May we all be a people who are marked by lives of full devotion to your word and to your purposes that you place in our lives in this generation. And then as we scatter out of this place, people are fully devoted to Jesus. I know with great confidence that you're going to move in power. Lord, please, I plead this with you often, please kill the mediocrity in our midst. Kill it, Lord. Help us to be the real deal. Passionate, faithful lovers of Jesus Christ. Because it is all about you. It's all about you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.